Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to ask a pharmacist about getting naloxone for their first aid kits at home or work. No prescription is needed. Naloxone can rapidly reverse an opioid overdose and restore breathing. Opioidresponse.info. Glad to have everybody with us as we start another brand new week on Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. We've got a great panel and a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Jim Galloway, the former political columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is with us as he is on Mondays. Jim, how's it going? Oh, I had a great, great weekend. The weather's beautiful. Uh, dogs won. Tech won. Uh, the Braves won two big ones. And the only disappointment was was your Atlanta United team, Bill. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, thank you, Jim. Thanks for making a painful start to the week for me. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, though. Terry Anulowitz, who is, of course, a member of the Georgia House, representing parts of Smyrna, Marietta, I think parts of unincorporated Cobb County as well. And by the way, I've never mentioned it before, served for like 10 years on the Smyrna City Council before going to the Georgia State House. Hi, Terry. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It is always wonderful to be here. Yeah, and in fact, to complete a Cobb County trifecta, <laughs> Leo Smith, a Republican political consultant and the founder and president of Engaged Futures uh, Group, is with us. So Cobb County represented in the House by all three of our panelists today. Hi, Leo. Let's go, Cobb. <laughs> uh, very quickly, because I want to talk about the president, but Jim Galloway, you pointed out Cobb County is taking the initiative in the upcoming week. They're going to take advantage of their big fair and uh, start giving out COVID tests at the fair. And they've got an incentive package as well, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, school is out this week in Cobb. So uh, this is this apparently I, I'm guessing this is really oriented at, at the 12, 12 and up crowd. But you go to you, you get your vaccine, uh, Johnson and Johnson or, or Pfizer, and you get a, a free free entry ride and uh, an entrance into the, the North North Georgia Fairgrounds at Jim Miller and uh, and uh, unlimited rides. One person in, in each group gets an unli unlimited ride. So if you've got side effects from one of those doses, you can kind of cover them up with a tilt-a-ride. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's, uh, uh, Leo Smith, there's also a $500 drawing uh, among the people who get the vaccine. You know, I, I think hopefully now, Terry, we can get past some of these uh, stereotypes about Republicans being wealthy and and not motivated by $500 incentives. I hope in this case, um, Republicans in our county, which we are struggling um, countywide with uh, vac vaccination rates, um, I hope that this red state situation where vaccination, vaccination rates are low can be helped by things like this. I mean, this is an event at Jim Miller Park that always draws a lot of political candidates. As a matter of fact, the Republican Party is always there with a tent, with tables. Candidates are there. Hopefully, we'll, we'll uh, get some Republicans getting vaccinated. Yeah, but we should point out, Terry, that Cobb County uh, uh, School Superintendent School Board has fought tooth and nail against any kind of mask mandate. And there are a lot of parents in the community who have been on both sides of that, very passionate one way or the other, right? That is correct. It, it's been fascinating to watch this evolution of the relationship between the superintendent and the Cobb-Douglas Board of Public Health. 
to the point where the superintendent is almost really being openly antagonistic towards the Board of Health, which is fascinating and horrifying and disappointing because I do feel like we should all be working together to make sure that we get as many of these 12 and up kids and our teachers and our faculty and our staff and our parents as vaccinated as we possibly can. Okay, we should point out that the Georgia Department of Public Health uh, over the last uh, few days has uh, uh, reported that, that, thank goodness, infections are down in uh, at least metro Atlanta schools. So we'll watch how that trend continues and keep track of how the virus is moving across the state. Uh, all right, let's talk about the weekend. Jim Galloway, Donald Trump in Perry, big raucous rally. He's had red meat for his supporters. And uh, I suppose most, you know, it, it certainly isn't news that Donald Trump took the stage for more than 90 minutes and much of his speech or, or his impromptu remarks were devoted to the fraudulent Georgia election that he believes, he claims he believes was stolen from him. Uh, but he had a little twist on it this time. He suggested at least twice that I'm aware of that maybe the crowd might be better off electing Stacey Abrams than Brian Kemp, who refuses to uh, be a co-conspirator in the election fraud story. Yeah, and you could uh, you, you could see a dozen Democratic strategists kind of uh, immediately kind of uh, put their arms around that clip, uh, get it ready for uh, get it ready for a a fifteen second uh, spot uh, that, that that starts showing uh, in in January when the real the race this race will really heat up. Uh, but I, I will tell you what. Uh, the real paralysis, I think, you could see in if if you take a look at at at, um, at today's uh, jolt in the AJC, and it, it leads on the fact that Trump was Trump was basically there to uh, well, in addition to pumping up his own fortunes, his own misfortunes, uh, he was he, he endorsed Jody Heiss for Secretary of State, he endorsed. Uh, uh, Bert Jones for Lieutenant Governor, the state senator, and uh, he endorsed, of course, Herschel Walker for U.S. Senate. None of those three, uh, uh, the AJC contacted those three, none of those three would endorse Brian Kemp's reelection by name. That's very, very important. It's got to be concerning for, for, for his people. Yeah, Leo, uh, what was surprising, none of them said that they agreed with Trump that maybe Stacey Abrams, and he was being speaking tongue-in-cheek when he said it, of course, none of right. them said they wouldn't vote for Brian Kemp, but none of them would come out and say, yes, we support him, despite what President, but the former president said, Leo. Yes, and I mean, these, these are issues of conviction that uh, Republicans have to really be concerned about. And I was pleased to see Alan Peak just kind of, you know, calling that out, former floor leader Alan Peak uh, for Governor Deal, um, saying that, look, he's not going to vote for any Republicans who just follow this, uh, you know, this, this downward spiral, this death spiral that uh, candidates uh, endorsed by Trump has. And, and what I'm concerned about is a repeat of the voter suppression that self-inflicted that Trump uh, applied to Georgia in the Senate race. And now we're gonna probably see the same kind of voter suppression um, because the top of the ticket is the governor. And if the Trump is saying don't vote for the governor, that's bad news for Republicans down ballot. Terry? What's fascinating to me is, you know, these, this squad of, of candidates who've been endorsed by Trump, they're not saying they're gonna support Kent, but at the same time, they're not saying who they are going to support. And so I think that without having some alternative that they're going to rally behind, because at this point, I don't think it's going to be Vernon Jones, who is the candidate that these folks are supporting. 
it's a little bit hollow, right? I mean, they're going to have to vote for somebody for governor in the primary. And if it's not going to be Brian Kemp, then they should probably identify who it is that it's going to be. Yeah, but I think, Jim, that Leo makes a good point. Uh, If Trump keeps at this, and there's no reason to think he won't, then you might have a recurrence of what we had in the runoff election when uh, 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 Kelly Leffler and David Perdue were victims of Trump suppressing uh, the vote uh, because Republicans didn't trust the system. No, no, I mean, no, no, he he makes a point. And I think think that's more than what Terry just said, I, I think that's the li- more likely outcome, is that rather than vote against Trump, uh, you, you're going to have, I, I mean, uh, b- rather than, than uh, vote against Kemp, uh, you're likely to have voters who uh, who tur- turned off Kemp by, by Trump will simply not vote sit on their hands. And if they stay home, that's one thing. That, that hurts the Republicans up and down the ballot. But even if they skip that race, if they, if they, if they just, uh, you know, there's a, there's a ten, you, very rarely do you have more votes at the, top, at, at the bottom of the ballot than you have at the top. And if you don't have a lot of votes at the top, then you're gonna, it's going to hurt all the way down the ballot. Um, Leo, what is happening here? Complete implosion. Um, not only that, you had David Schaefer, the chair of the party, coming off of uh, being sued by a former chair of the party, John Padgett, for, for monies owed. So you got these kind of internal fights that are happening that are administrative, that have long history. But then you have David Schaefer going to an event that's about an endorsed slate of candidates, where he's telling other candidates, hey, we don't get involved in, in, in primary races. We don't uh, put a thumb on the scale. This is highly inappropriate, and there are many Republicans very upset about it. Okay, there were uh, other interesting news to come out of this event. Herschel Walker's debut on the uh, campaign stage, for one, a a, a big call for an audit of the Georgia elections and more. And we're going to talk about those in just a couple minutes. We are continuing our fall pledge drive here at GPB Radio. We're going to take two pledge breaks during our show today, uh, so we're limiting it to that. Um, And it's our way of saying to you, please, if you don't support Political Rewind at this point financially, we really need your help to make this show continue the successful course that all of you out there who listen to us have put us on. So here's how you can get involved in helping support GPB and Political Rewind. We're back with State Representative Terry Anulowitz, Leo Smith, the Republican strategist, and, of course, our friend Jim Galloway. Um, you know, it's interesting, at the rally in Perry, while uh, Burt Jones, Jody Heiss, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Vernon Jones all took to the stage and basically gave the crowd the same kind of red meat messaging that Trump did, the one person who did not was Herschel Walker, Let's listen to just a little of Herschel Walker's speech, his campaign debut uh, before a large crowd. And people always ask me, uh, what qualifies me to run for this office? And I said, well, you're right, I'm an American. And I said, what qualify a reverend to run for this office? What qualify a farmer to run for it? What qualify a businessman to run for it? And you know what qualified me to run is because I love America. 
and I'm going to fight for America. And it is time for us to stop wondering what we're going to do, but do it. Because what we've gotten now is we're fighting over the same thing we were fighting over when Jimmy Carter was in office. So, uh, Terry, I think that's interesting. Walker didn't repeat any of the election fraud claims. He didn't call for the audit of the Georgia votes, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. It's very clear that his people, he's got Trump's backing, obviously, so he he can be happy with that. But it appears he might be charting a more middle road uh, path here, which could be trouble uh, down the road if he becomes the nominee. It's interesting. It was interesting to notice that because it was incongruous with all of the words that we were hearing from all of the other speakers at that rally, whether it was, you know, different members of Congress from Georgia or the the former president, whoever it was. It was not a speech that was really deep on policy. It really wasn't a speech that was even shallow on policy points. But I do think that it is notable that he didn't perpetuate the misinformation and disinformation about voter fraud in Georgia, I, you know, he could always be saving it for later. He could have just wanted to introduce himself. This was his first real official campaign event. Uh, but it is interesting. And I, I, I still don't know if that's going to be enough for him to appeal towards more middle of the road folks, especially with the very loud Trump endorsement. Yeah. yeah. Jim, when I said uh, trouble, of course, I meant for Democratic candidates uh, in a general election. Right. 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 Um, yeah. I, I, a couple of things here. Number one, I think it tells us where where uh, Herschel that Herschel is is slightly ahead of, say, people like uh, Jody Heisberg Jones and uh, and others on the kind of on the on the on the the spectrum of running for office. You know, the, those three are, are still have to kind of show that they're 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 that they are Trump people. They have to prove that they are Trump people. Uh, Herschel doesn't. His problem is is getting getting those November general election voters, uh, and I think if if you have to if you compare this to anything, I would compare it to uh, Kelly Loeffler's debut as as a as 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 Brian Kemp's appointee to the U.S. Senate, where she right out of the box she went hard hard right. Because she knew she had Doug Collins coming coming after her, so she had to prove her credentials with 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 the with the Trump GOP base, and Herschel doesn't have to do that, and he and 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 he's behaving as if he doesn't have to do that. Leo, you know, I went to Georgia Public Policy Foundation's their annual event with Jason Rowley last week. And, and it was really interesting because there were very few politicians there, very few candidates there. They were packed house. They got great support. They're doing great work. But policy is not of interest right now to the Republican base. Celebrity is. Herschel already has that. He has to win the primary. He's got everything he needs from Trump. He's got a veteran, high-class group of consultants working for him that worked with Johnny Isaacson and worked in national campaigns. He doesn't need to entertain. He's got statewide recognition that, you know, Kelly Leffler did not have, as a matter of fact. So uh, he's doing the right thing. Um, and I think that you're right, Bill, that he's going to be competitive in the general if he continues this tech. Um, so, Terry, it's interesting that Leo points out that he's got a team that worked with Johnny Isaacson. Now, look, 
Uh, Johnny Isaacson voted for the most part as a real Republican, and he voted on uh, issues that, that certainly a lot of Democrats were unhappy with him for. But he always had this reputation as being the guy who was more of a centrist, who could work across uh, party lines to get things accomplished. And, and now that team is helping Herschel, which could be a sign that he does want to hew to a little bit more of a middle path in this race, Terry. I actually did not know that he was working with Isaacson's team until until this morning. And what's fascinating to me is that it's, when you when you speak casually to people, you know, Republicans, Democrats, there seems to be a general consensus among folks that Johnny Isaacson, as amazing as he was for Georgia, probably couldn't make it out of a primary in mm-hmm. today. And so I think that that is that's almost a little bit of a of a risky path, knowing that, as Leo said, there is more emphasis on celebrity and and you know who's who's loud who's widely known who's saying the most incendiary things and you know like i noted earlier a lot less of the conversations about policy and isaacson was very much a policy person there there was another element that came out of this rally over the weekend and again it was uh, perpetuated by the party chair david schaefer by burt jones running for lieutenant governor um, of course, only one of the Republicans running, but the endorsed Trump candidate, Jody Heiss, running as a Republican for Secretary of State against Brad Raffensperger, uh, but Heiss being the, uh, in getting the endorsement from Trump, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Jim, that's that suddenly um, we're getting a, a lot of unanimity around this idea among Republicans that we need an audit of the Georgia votes. We've had three basic recounts, and found no fraud of any uh, 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 sort in the elections of 2020. And and Trump perpetually added to that on Saturday night, you know, the lies become just more and more transparent. Trump got on the stage Saturday night and said that the Maricopa County uh, uh, recount, which was flawed and many people think was was uh, uh, really not done properly in the first place, showed that there was fraud in that election. In fact, the organization who, who were appointed by Arizona's Republican legislature to run this recount found more votes for Joe Biden in Maricopa County than had originally gone to him, and yet Trump is using that to insist we need recounts, audits in Georgia and other states. Jim? Right. Well, first of all, let's not call it an audit. We got to find another word yeah. for it. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure what that word is. Uh, maybe it's. Uh, 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 maybe it's a. It's you know. Uh, uh, kind of a, a burning the ballots kind of kind of situation where you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to throw enough smoke at this at 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 the vote. At the ballots that you and I cast uh, each each November and during during the May primaries, so that you're trying to cast enough doubt on that 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 you can you can engineer a situation where you kind of cast those cast those things aside, uh, and and that's what I really worry about. I'm worried that these that these calls for the the so-called audit. Uh, somebody help me with a better word for that, but that that is going to prompt something. Uh, to jump up in the in the state legislature in January, that in in cases of of uh, of uh, uh, uncertainty in ballot outcomes, the the legislature or some some other body will be empowered to make the decision for voters. 
that's that's essentially what what uh, what uh, last last December's attempted coup by the Trump administration was all about. And I think that that the real danger here is that now that the path is out there in in, in public, that you'll have people trying to trying to codify it in, into state law. I don't I don't know if 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 Terry has picked up on anything like this moving in the, in in uh, getting prepped for the session. But it, to me, it's it's a, it's a it's a really wor- worrisome uh, situation rising up. It is extremely worrisome. Yeah, no, it's extremely worrisome, and it's worrisome on, again, again, multiple levels and multiple accounts. I mean, what ended up happening in Arizona is you had these, the cyber ninjas, as they call themselves, who came in and who, you know, at the end of the audit, they left with a bank account that was a lot heavier than they had going into it. A lot of the political consultants and the politicians who put them in place have ended the day with much heavier campaign accounts than what they started off with. But what's happened here with this rhetoric and this insistence by the president, the former president on Saturday, that even even with the audits of the, the cyber ninjas saying that, yeah, Biden won Arizona, to still continue to undermine the facts and the data with these lies is very problematic. And I think that as we go into the special session, we go into the 2022, we're going to, we're, we're going to, these conversations are going to continue at the committee level and on the floor, but the house and the Senate, and it's, and it's extremely concerning. Leo, I, it, it feels as if, and I don't want to be a doomonger, that there, there will never be again, a close election in which the losing party doesn't want to investigate fraud. Now, I, I got to say right now, of course, the weight is on the Republican side because it's the Republicans who are complaining that they lost the White House. Um, still, you've got to wonder whether the public will ever again have confidence in the outcome of a close election based on what's happening now. Well, I think there are certain things that are, are certain because of this emphasis and interest in hand counting. Um, you know, I, I think the auditor said that there was no substantial difference between the hand count provided and the official canvas results. Hand counting is now going to be something people will demand. Uh, and I think that that's obviously moving into policy everywhere. But the other thing there is, is that this is really a misplay by Republicans again, because what we're doing is we're still licking our wounds from the same election. And as Terry mentioned, the whole examination of the, 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 the count um, is really, uh, it's a grip. It's a grip game that some people are making a lot of money off. It's an entertainment factor. I look at social media and the kind of people who are, uh, you know, sort of helping to, to, you know, to create this frenzy over an audit in all the states from Arizona here. Those people are being heavily influenced by Arizona politicians running for secretary of state um, and people just making money off of the grip. Terry, I want to give you a chance before I got to get yes. to a break. Yeah, I'll be, quick, I'll be quick because we need to raise money. But, and that is really important, <laughs> and everyone needs to open their wallet as well. What I want to talk about was what Theo said about how more and more after elections, people are going to demand the hand counting. And you combine that with some of the aspects of SB 202, and specifically I'm talking about how any elector in any precinct can challenge all of the votes in that precinct. The supporters of SB 202 said it was going to get us faster results. There is absolutely no way in, with the circumstances the way they are now that we are going to have faster election results. 
Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about one more outcome of all of this talk about audits and one of the one of the downsides of what's happened in Arizona and could presumably happen here in Georgia if somehow there is some sort of recount, whatever you want to call it. But before we do that, um, we do need to get back to our pledge team once again. If you have supported us already, if you continue to support us, you're the people who keep us on the radio. We were a a one-day-a-week show seven years ago. Jim Galloway was with us on that very first show. We're now five days a week because you wanted more of our program, which gives us uh, just enormous uh, gratitude for you. So if you support us, great. If not, here's how you can do it. I do want to take just one moment before we get back to a political conversation, although there's some politics in what I want to say, uh, to acknowledge that our good, good friend, good friend of this program and also good personal friend, Kenny Leon, won yet another Tony Award last night. He won it for the direction of a soldier's play, which was written by Charles Fuller back in 1980. Uh, Fuller became only the second African-American to win a Pulitzer Prize for playwriting. Kenny brought it to Broadway. It had never been there before. And um, in his speech last night, he passionately talked about the need for diversity. He said, we've been talking about making changes on Broadway. I think we have a wonderful beginning, but it's going to take all of us. I do feel we can do better as people. We should be about sustaining the evolution of mankind. He talked about uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and said, we will never, ever forget you. And then said, no diss to Shakespeare, no diss to Ibsen, to Chekhov, to Shaw. They're all at the table, but the table's got to be bigger. Kenny Leon still makes his home in Atlanta, and uh, I think we all have good reason to be incredibly uh, proud of his achievements and the inspiration that he is for all of us as we think about social justice <laughs> and a broader understanding of who we are as people. All right, Jim Galloway. Um, when the Arizona recount, the Maricopa County recount was going on, Katie Hobbs, the Democratic Secretary of State uh, out there, said that she was terribly worried that the cyber ninjas could be, in fact, maybe either intentionally or unintentionally uh, mucking up the insides of the Dominion voting machines. And she told the legislature they may have to pay for all new voting machines. And there's now a concern in some of the other states where these so-called audits are underway. And it's something that I would think was worth thinking about if something happens here, uh, a demand for examining machine counts. Right. And and actually, the, the situation in Arizona was even more specific. You had a, uh, uh, a Mesa County election supervisor, Tina Peters, uh, kind of start buying into the conspiracy. She, it's, 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 it's alleged, and the FBI and, and numerous law enforcement agencies are investigating it. It's alleged that she and, and others may have, uh, may have, uh, uh, snuck a, a somebody into the secure area where the voting machines were were kept, and uh, that someone uh, downloaded the hard drives of the of, of Dominion voting machines and passed them on to Mike Lindell, the uh, the the mattress guy who's convinced that that Trump won, and that's just a, a tremendous breach of security. So so you've got a you've got a situation where I think we just saw the uh, kind of the theme of uh, Georgia's Secretary of State race 
uh, jump up. I think I think voter of the the security of those machines, and uh, and the willingness of the candidates involved uh, to 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 to. To keep them secure is going to be a very a, a, a top issue. You've got on the Republican side, of course, you've got Jody Heiss, you've got Brad Raffensperger trying to trying to 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 to, to seek for seek re-election. Uh, you have David Bell Isle in there as well. Uh, you have uh, B. Win on the Democratic side, and you had uh, you just had a, a new a new fellow uh, Michael Owens, uh, who's who uh, uh, who's been on the show uh, a, a few times, another Cobb County person. Uh, former chairman of the of the Cobb, uh, Cobb Democratic Party, he is he is involved, and and one reason he he, he one one strength he's citing is is the fact that he is a a cyber security guy. Yeah, well, we'll watch how that unfolds, and we don't know that the legislature will will move forward uh, with uh, this recount or whether the governor is going to call for it. It's unlikely. I mean, the governor doesn't need to continue this theme because it doesn't help him in his re-election bid, but we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, let's move on. Um, Terry, uh, a lot of eyes were focused Friday on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which uh, took up the appeal on the Georgia heartbeat law, which uh, all but bans abortion in the state of Georgia. A lower court, federal court, had ruled already that the law was unconstitutional, which means it's never been uh, put put into motion. It's never been enacted here in the state. And there was a lot of questioning about how the 11th Circuit would deal with this. What ended up coming out of that Friday session was it appears the three justices who heard the uh, arguments are saying now, we don't think we, we are, are, it's a good idea for us to say anything about Georgia until we hear what the Supreme Court has to say about the very important Mississippi lawsuit, which will be before the court on December 1st, but which we won't get a ruling on until early next summer. All that said, Terry, it looks like the Georgia law isn't going into effect anytime soon. No, that's exactly right. And that, if I could only say one important point about what's happening with this case and how it's proceeding through the appellate courts and what's happening in the Supreme Court, abortion remains legal in Georgia. Nothing practically... In, in, in a practical sense, nothing about Georgia's abortion law has changed, despite the fact that the heartbeat bill passed. And abortion remains legal in Georgia. The law is just, it, it is just as it was prior to the passage of House Bill 481. It looks like nothing about that is going to be changing until, as you said, Bill, probably next summer when the Supreme Court issues a ruling on this Mississippi case that they're going to be hearing on December 1st. Um, Leo, we do think that it's likely, and, and I'll ask Terry about this in a minute, but let me get your thoughts on this, too. Um, we do think it's possible that that uh, Republicans are going to introduce, some Republicans want to introduce a bill that will replicate the Texas abortion law, which essentially deputizes uh, residents of Texas, not just Texas, but anywhere in the country, we're now learning, people can sue all of those who aid in an abortion that's uh, uh, after six weeks of pregnancy. Leo, what does this mean for, again, Georgia's election chances, notwithstanding what it means to the women who are in the situations where they think they might need an abortion? Well, I think it's important, as Terry mentioned, that uh, to know what the law is and that abortion is still available in Georgia. 
Um, you know, I think the mean spiritedness of the Texas um, application of incentivizing turning on each other is not something that I think Georgia conservatives would want to see happen. But we have to understand it's not entirely in Georgia conservatives' hands. This is a national campaign. Um, it's been a long national campaign, and partly because there's efficiency in copycatting what happens in one state and then coordinating with independent expenditure groups um, to make sure that that aim is applied to various states as they test law and push the limits. So I don't think that uh, in Georgia, the spirit of that will, will be applied in, our, in any arguments for, um, you know, against Will versus Wade. And, and, and I think Georgia has not argued against Will versus Wade as much as, um, you know, as, as it actually appears to be written by law. I mean, Will versus Wade is actually mentioned um, in the, these court proceedings. And, and, I, and I wonder if Georgians are really against Will versus Wade, Wade in entirety. Yeah, Jim? you know, you know what's what's interesting is is, and this has just kind of occurred in the last couple of weeks, is the Texas wall, uh, law has, has, has received two challenges uh, uh, to it. Uh, and I think what 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 uh, anti-abortion uh, forces in Texas are finding out is that when they wrote that law, they gave up control over who is going to become the bounty hunter, who is going to be pursuing uh, uh, that, and why are they pursuing that? And it, 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 it's becoming clear that you could have you could have a just a raft full of 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 people who are just out for the money. And that that is that uh, that that kind of muddies it, it muddies the the uh, it, it makes the motives uh, for opposing abortion uh, a lot less pure. So I, I think that is going to be a a major consideration when other states take up this this matter. Terry, are you expecting that that bill will in fact be introduced? Oh, I'm certain that that bill will be introduced. I'm certain that it will be introduced by someone in the House. I'm certain it will be introduced by someone in the Senate. We've already had someone, a, a senator, say that he's going to introduce the bill. I appreciate that Leo mentioned the mean-spiritedness of the Texas bill, because I think that is so very much the essence of a lot of this legislation. They're not concerned with women. They're not concerned with health. It, there is a, a great deal of mean-spiritedness with the, mean-spiritedness with the legislation and while it is, Leo's right, this is a national campaign, there are national forces behind this, but ultimately what happens to it in Georgia depends really on what happens in the House, what happens in the Senate, and what happens with the governor. So you've got the lieutenant governor, he's ultimately the one who will make the decision to call that bill to the floor in the Senate. You've got the speaker, who is ultimately the person who will make the decision on whether or not that bill comes to the floor of the House. And if, God forbid, that does happen in either chamber or you know both chambers and it passes, you've got the governor who has to make the decision. And while an issue like this bill and doing something like this Texas bill is red meat for a primary, I think it is a very treacherous path for Republicans to start to take when they are heading into a general election in November 2022. Leo? Yeah, I mean, I agree with with Terry. I mean, this is this you know, Georgians and polling shows that you know Georgians largely support uh, Roe versus Wade. You know, years ago, amongst Republicans, as I worked for the party and we did polling on these issues, 
there was a growing trend, especially amongst young voters, that you know, abortion was less of an issue to conservative young voters. Um, there, there was a libertarian movement starting to grow within the Republican Party. Um, and, and now, I think one of the reasons why it, it has so much volatility and interest is because, again, meanness is a brand now within Republican campaigning, campaigning the ability to just swing sticks at people. And so this is a wedge issue that's become more attractive. But Republicans were, you know, debating this issue far less uh, 10 years ago than we are now. Leo, um, what, one last question for you on this show. Um, I, where does, you, after we see the news about the rally in Perry, uh, after we see, think about the abortion uh, law in Texas being replicated in the Georgia legislature by Republicans here, where is there room for people like you, uh, Jeff Duncan, and other uh, Republicans who have rejected the Trump way uh, in the party these days? You know, I mentioned Georgia Public Policy Foundation uh, and their annual event last week. Um, Policy has become priority again. And I think as the party goes into this death spiral and we hit bottom, I mean, you know, again, we have a chairman doing a chairman. We've got all kinds of problems. Um, I think substance is going to become something that we seek again. And so, from Alan Peake to, you know, people like Buzz, um, um, Brock, uh, Buzz uh, over at, um, uh, what, Senator for Georgia Families, a former uh, senator. I mean, I think these folks are, are growing in number. And as we death spiral, folks are going to want good policy again. And so there's a back to center movement across race class uh, that is happening. Let's get back to center on policy. And so then you got candidates that Jim didn't mention, T.J. Hudson, 17 years experience in elections management running for secretary of state as a Republican. Those people will start to come to fore. Jim Galloway, thank you for that, Leo. Uh, we'll see if that happens and how quickly. Jim, we're running out of time, but uh, our, a, a friend of the show's, uh, Fulton, uh, uh, Dem- the legislative liaison for the Fulton Democrats, so let's remember he's a Democrat, <laughs> suggested the word that we should be using for re- looking at the votes again. He says it should be, they should be called fraudits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We appreciate the input whenever we get it. Uh, Jim Galloway, Terry Anulowitz, Leo Smith, thank you for a terrific conversation. We are out of time for today's show. Uh, Once again, I'm going to send you back over to our pledge team in hopes that they can encourage you to become a supporter of GPB Radio and this show. I'll be back, of course, with a new show tomorrow. In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear the mask when you're indoors, and tell your friends who haven't been vaccinated, please do it for all our sakes. Oh, yes, get a flu shot, too. It's right down the street at your drugstore. See you all tomorrow.